Play fake. Young goes deep middle. He's got Jerry Rice. Touchdown 49ers. Welcome to another edition of the 49ers Family Podcast, where three generations of Niners fans break down the game each week and talk and hear from Grandpa Mike as he shares personal experiences from being a fan since 1949. My name is Josh. Uh, I'm here with my dad, Jared, my grandpa, Mike. Um, we are the 49ers family. All right, let's get started. Um, I mean, let's get to it right away. It's a rough, rough Sunday to be a 49er fan. Um, trying to be upbeat here, but, but grandpa, I can see it on your face. How are you feeling right now? Well, I really live and die with the team. I always have. I'm not proud of it, but they do set my mood. And you shouldn't let some outside interest that you have no control over set your mood, but they do. And so I've been depressed for the last couple of days, and I just keep going over and over and over all the things that took place. I really thought we'd win this game with ease. I mean, I, you know, the Chicago Bear team won five games a year ago, and they really were worse. They lost three of their top players. Um, so they're not as good as they were a year ago when they won five games, and I thought for sure we'd win. Um, but, you know, as we think think about it, and I think one of the, you know, there's a, there's a million things you can say and a lot of excuses, but in the, the way it is today, in the preseason, the starters don't, don't play. I, I mean, at all. You maybe a player too, but Trent Williams and Debo and Kittle and Mitchell and Bosa and Warner, they didn't play. So the first game of the season is sloppy because they haven't played. And we had, you know, 12 penalties for 99 yards and turnovers, and then you threw in a monsoon. And, uh, you know, so. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you know, Chicago did nothing in the first half, nothing, <laughs> and they won the game. And I just still, it's still painful um, because I know at the end of the season, how meaningful these, these games are going to be. We're going to, you know, be seated somewhere, hopefully in the playoffs. And, and this is going to mean we go on the road instead of being at home or, or whatever. So every game's important. And we now just have to pick ourselves up and go get Seattle. Right, right. Yeah, no, uh, I'm glad you could vent a little bit there. That's what this is for. Um, and I think a lot of our listeners and other 49ers fans out there feel the same way. Um, but Dad, how are, you, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm optimistic. It was an ugly game. That's, uh, that's for sure. It was an ugly game, um, a sloppy game. Uh, we made plenty of mistakes, um, but uh, it wasn't a fair look at our uh, 49er team this year. I think playing in those conditions, um, I think just kind of leveled the playing field in such a way that our skilled positions couldn't perform like they could. We were, um, you know, we had uh, you know, a great defense, a, a strong offense, but we just couldn't get anything going. Um, 
as far as I felt in the conditions, although the conditions were fairly good in the first half and we, we did well. I think we won the first half 10, nothing, I think something like that. Yeah. And, uh, but in the second half and right when we need, we needed to put some points on the board, that's when uh, the rain came down in buckets and uh, it was very, very difficult. Uh, we did um, just outplay them, you know, on first downs and, and our yards uh, rushing and passing. And uh, we did a lot of things right, but we made some key mistakes at the wrong time and didn't have enough time to recover. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you. Um, um, yeah, let's, let's get right into it. So as a recap, yeah, we were up 7-0 going into halftime. It seemed to be, you know, a completely dominant game. Um, from a statistical standpoint, other than points, um, being up seven, nothing obviously isn't much, but it did feel like the Niners were dominating. And then things kind of turned around in the third and fourth quarter. Yeah, the rain started really coming down. The field got worse and worse and worse. That turf just <laughs> looked like a ginormous puddle. It was a joke. And then, as you both said, you know, plenty of penalties, turnovers. Uh, and then all of a sudden the, the bears were ahead and it was like, what happened? Um, uh, I agree. It was not um, a good showing for the Niners. I don't think it's an indication of what the rest of the season will be. It's kind of one of those games that you kind of just got to pick yourself. And like you said, kind of get on to the next one. Um, before we get into some of the statistics and kind of the box score, you know, I, um, I think as far as just general reactions and general thoughts, one thing that was so fascinating is looking around the NFL is that I would say uh, four of the top 10 teams in the league had a terrible week one. Not only us, that I think everybody in America would agree that we didn't show up like they thought we would. Um, but second, the Cowboys, ouch, and Dak is out. They scored three points. Packers, Aaron Rodgers was furious on the sideline. Um, and then I'm missing another one. Oh, and then even the, the Broncos on Monday, uh, the fact that they didn't take uh, Seattle to town and statistically they did. We'll talk about that game later. You know, it, the week one, as as furious as it, it made a lot of us Niners fans, it is yeah. just week one and we're not the only ones that feel that. Um, and, you know, it's a long season. It is a marathon. So I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll pick it up and 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 get going. Um, walk us through some of the stats or kind of the box score things that pop out to you. Okay, um, so if you look at the stat sheet, I mean we won the game. In total yards, we had three thirty-one. Chicago had two hundred and four. Um, the one stat that really jumps out at me is Chicago ran the ball thirty-seven times. They gained 99 yards. Mm -hmm. That's 2.6 a pop. You know, I mean, they're getting two two yards a, a crack, and they only threw the ball 17 times. Um, unfortunately, two of those were wide open failures, and one to Dante Pettis and the other to St. Brown. Yeah, Dante Pettis kind of hurt because he was a minor. And he's bounced around, he went to the Giants and <clears throat> now he's with the Bears and he caught a 51 yard TD pass. Um, <clears throat> the penalties, 12 of them killed us. And um, three of those were on drives defensively um, where we had Chicago stopped 
and all of a sudden we've got a personal foul or a face mask and they've got a first down or a defensive holding and a first automatic first down. So we prolonged their drives. Um, we did for them what they couldn't do for themselves. And <clears throat> um, anyway, uh, 19 to 10. Yep. Yeah. Trey Lance was, I thought, you know, he had flashes of, he threw some really good passes. He threw some really bad, inaccurate passes. Um, but what concerned me most about Trey is the physical beating that he took. Um, he, he ran the ball, I think, 13 times and a couple of times just got really nailed. And mm -hmm. he can't he can't keep doing that. I, he's going to run. That's part of his game. But he he in all of his runs he didn't slide once. Right. So, uh, you know I just worry about his health. Right. And um, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Dad, what 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 popped out um popped out to you on the stat sheet? Um, I I noticed the, the red zone. We are one for three in the red zone. I mean. For two for two. I mean, right there. I mean, we got to uh, capitalize on those opportunities and protect the ball and we got to convert. We got to, we got to get some points out of that. Uh, that's kind of the thing that popped out to me. Um, and then statistically, like grandpa said, um, we, we on paper should have won that game time of possession, total yards, rushing, passing, everything penalties. though we gave them 100 yards. So we have to literally take their 200 and what 64 total. Let's see. What's their go for yeah, we gotta give them another hundred yards in penalties. You know, I mean, that's 300 yards of offense. We just gave them that's equivalent to another touchdown. I guess that's what they like in uh, uh, approximately hundred yards of penalties in any game. That's worth seven points uh, to the other, to the other team. So yeah. we kind of hurt ourselves and we didn't capitalize in the red zone. I mean, and that's the difference of the game. Yeah. I, I, I really think, and this is not a knock on the Bears, um, but you know, as a Niners fan, I do feel like that we lost the game more than they won the game. Um, we beat ourselves to a certain degree. Those flags and all those penalties, the failure to convert in the red zone, um, you know, with the turnovers, etc. Those are points off the board, and yeah. when you're playing any team in a monsoon it's going to be a low scoring affair. And so those points off the board hurt. Uh, and, and that's ultimately what obviously determines the, the winner or loser of the game. So man, rough, rough day. I think there are some bright points though. Um, so, but before we get to that, you know, I will say we mentioned the monsoon a few times here, um, right after we finished the last episode previewing the game, we, we finished and we stayed on to kind of just break it down a little bit in between the three of us. And um, the first thing we said was, oh, shoot, we forgot to mention the weather. Uh, and part of that was that we hadn't even checked the weather. It was Wednesday night and it turned out the weather was, as yeah. we all found out, monsoon season and just dumped on that field. And that field, the stands, everybody was soaking wet. I mean, there's some pretty honestly epic pictures from the game 
but that, that that is a huge makes a huge impact on the game so if we had anything to do with that curse of the weather um, don't worry we will acknowledge the weather as part of the Seahawks preview <laughs> um, but now let's talk about some some injuries because unfortunately we did get a big one uh, Grandpa what did we see as far as injuries in the game well, of course, the big one was was Mitchell, the running back. And, um, you know, one of the things about Elijah Mitchell, our sixth round draft pick from Louisiana a year ago, um, a real diamond in the rough, a real find. He's all, all last year, he, he, he almost gained 1000 yards, he missed four games, but he gained 963 yards. And the key to me is he never fumbled. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he's, he's not only a good, great quick back, um, he really holds onto the ball. So, um, so Mitchell, that's, 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 that's a real loss. And he's gone for two months. Yeah, yeah. that hurts. That hurts. As a result of that, you know, there's a lot of question marks of what do the Niners do? Obviously, Trey can run the ball, but you don't want to give him too many carries. He's already going to have to escape out of the pocket, etc. You have um, a good running back room, not like amazing. Uh, and then you got Debo that's lining up in the slot and then sometimes in the backfield. And what do you do there? So it's, it's an interesting thing. It's honestly it kind of goes back to the end of last season of what do the Niners do? The, last year when Mitchell got hurt, we played Debo. Right. So um, it's a little different this year. And, and one of the other things that's different that's jumped out to me is all of our backs this year were over 200 pounds. And that's not normally the case. We usually have a couple of little burners that, you know, weigh 195 or 190. Um, Mitchell weighs 200. He was our lightest back. The others are all 215, 220. Right. We're going to have bigger backs. Um, Wilson came in and, you know, the, um, Mitchell was gaining six yards a, a carry. And Wilson came in and he, he's, you know, gained three yards a carry. So, uh, and, and the weather too. I mean, the, they, they had squeegees breaking the field. You know, you, you mentioned, Josh, last week that, their new coach, you know, insisted they put in new Bermuda grass and they, water was just, you know, going off and- It was not draining at all, at all. Yeah. So, um, you know, the running back situation is gonna be interesting. It'll be probably by committee. Last year when Mitchell got hurt, we play, that's when we started to play Debo and we found him. So- um, right. I expect him to get more carries and, you know, then by committee, Wilson will, Wilson will be the starter, um, but they'll play the other guys as well. Yeah. I mean, another one that is interesting to watch and he didn't play this week, uh, obviously was George Kittle seems that mm -hmm. he's hopefully in line to play this week. It would be great to get him back another weapon, another guy to take the pressure off of Trey Lance um we are recording this on wednesday once again 
who did not practice today. Uh, right. As we know, groin injuries are a little bit weird that you kind of need to rest your way out of them, similar to something like a hamstring. So uh, something to watch there. You know, other players getting dinged up a little bit here and there. The only one that's, I would say, kind of notable, uh, or I guess kind of, there's kind of two more notable. Uh, one, Daniel Brunskill that did not play. They're still watching him. He did not practice as well today. And then Jordan Willis, the, the famous guy that blocked the punt in Green Bay last year. He, uh, on Monday, apparently was complaining about some inflammation or knee pain. Um, they did some, some tests and determined that he needs to go on the IR. They're actually going to do a minor, uh, you know, snip, snip on his knee, uh, yeah. which we are deep at the D line. You don't want, you don't like to see that Kamoko Ture, uh, that also has a lot of upside. He got activated off the practice squad to replace Willis. Uh, so we should be okay there, but you know, injuries happen in football. You just don't want to see so many. I feel like we're already, they're adding up and it's week one. We're losing a, a starter a week, you know? So after 17 weeks, we'll have five guys left. <laughs> I know, right? Um, one last thing though about Elijah Mitchell and something that I want to ask you guys. We talked about, you know, running back by committee, talk about Debo. Debo got eight carries in this game against Chicago. It's two questions for you both. And we'll start with you, dad. One, how many carries should Debo get per game? And two, like if, if Elijah Mitchell is in, if like our running backs can carry the load versus now how many more do you give Debo with Elijah Mitchell out? That's a great question. So he Debo had eight, eight carries. Eight carries. You know, to be honest, I don't even know what the average number of carries per game is, you know, for him. But um, uh, yeah, I... I, I don't even have an answer for that one. That's yeah, he, he had eight carries for 52 yards, so a 6.5-yard average, which is fantastic, obviously. Elijah Mitchell had six carries for 41 yards for a 6.8 average. Um, so around that same kind of level of efficiency, and as Grandpa said, it really dropped off. Um, Wilson had nine carries for 22 yards for a 2.4 average. Yeah. But as we know, you don't want to put Debo always in the backfield. Um, and there's that whole durability aspect. So it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm very intrigued to see how much they utilize him because it's different in the playoffs. And then I'll get to you, Grandpa. It's different in the playoffs when you're, win, you're playing to win. That's kind of that all or nothing mentality of I'll do anything for the team to win. Whereas you see 16 games ahead of the schedule and you kind of have to pace yourself a little bit. So Grandpa, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, typically you have about 30 rushes a game. Um, and, you know, I think Debo is going to get eight or 10 of them. Um, Lance, they, Lance is going is to run. They designed actually four plays for him to run. And, um, you know, and then Wilson, um, Wilson has always done pretty well you know, in his yeah. role. Um, he didn't on Sunday, but, um, you know, it might've been the turf too. So uh, Wilson is going to get, you know, probably seven or eight carries, depending on how he does. If he does well, they'll, they'll continue to run him. If he doesn't, then they're going to go to Mason or, you know, um, and then we just signed this guy. Uh, it's interesting. Um, Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack. 
you know, he played for Texas in 2019 and he, he gained over a thousand yards and he had a really good game against us yeah. in 19. So I'm sure Shanahan, when we worked out about eight or nine running backs this week and uh, Marlon Mack was the guy we signed. And I'm sure that the memory from 2019, he, he had a great game. He gained over a thousand or a hundred yards that day and um, a thousand for the season. So, um, well, you know, it's, it, it's, they're going to, they're going to probably use everybody. Um, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, Honestly, I think eight rushes for Debo is even a little high. When I saw that on the box score, I was like, oh, wow, he ran the ball at times. I think that had to do with a little bit with the weather, um, just trying to get the ball in playmakers' hands and no, not have to deal with, you know, throwing the ball in a monsoon. Uh, mm-hmm. I expect to see about eight to ten as well, eight to ten rushes going forward. Uh, with, with Elijah Mitchell or it, when he comes back, I think that'll drop down to more like five to – six five to seven or something like that mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see but um definitely something you know that that position is going to be interesting to watch uh and i think not only for us fans but also for opposing teams because what do you plan for uh because trey is always going to be a threat but then how much do you plan for debo and look at all of those things then wilson versus like you said mason and ty davis price uh it is going to be running back by committee even today Kyle Shanahan uh, when asked about Marlon Mack and all the kind of the running back room you know he said that Ty Davis Price and Mason are going to go at it for that number two spot but ultimately and as Shanahan has always done he said but the hot hand is going to get the ball Um, whoever is running well uh, seeing the holes that day that game Shanahan has a proven track record of riding that hot hand so it's going to be interesting it, it, it's it's i think it's kind of an open competition we'll see who gets it look look out for mason he <laughs> he opened eyes in camp he wasn't supposed to make the team yeah and and you know so he's he's a comer the other piece to this and it'll determine you know how much we run and pass is the weather so right. we you know, we, we have rain again this Sunday and it was 40% and Josh just upped it to, you just checked the weather and it's going to be 70 or 80%. Sick, yeah, I said 60 to 80%. Um, so could be so, another wet one. So that usually you run more when it rains. And so, you know, that'll be a factor too. So yep, for sure. Yeah. All right, so you know, wrapping up the Bears week, let's go around um, players of the game. So, you know, win or loss, still some players always find a way to kind of make their impact on the game. Um, I have a couple in mind, but um, Grandpa, let's start with you. Okay, my player of the game, and it was really pretty easy. It's Talanoga Hufanga or Hufanga. So he was spectacular. He reminded me of Troy Palomalu, and they're both Samoan, and they both played for USC. Um, And he trains with Troy. Yeah. Um, So he, I remember um, when we drafted him, Tyler called me and said, Grandpa, you're going to love this guy. 
He's got a nose for the ball. He's always around the ball. And you'll remember last January in Green Bay, the guy that scored the touchdown after Willis blocked the punt was Huff Awanga or Hufunga. Hufunga. Um It's a fungus among us. He intercepted a pass. He had, what was it, 11, 11 tackles? Yeah, and a tackle for loss. Yeah, so um, he's my player of the game. Yeah, that's a great one. That's, that's mine too. So I mean, I think I think he was, you know, if anything, uh, you know, he showed some things last year for sure, and got in, and even, if I remember correctly, even started a few games. Um, but this was this was his breakout party. I think he turned a lot of heads. Yeah. I think the offenses are going to have to start to account for where is Huvanga. Yeah, and there's one other thing, Josh, and this is for you. So he and Zach Wilson were selected as co-recipients of the 2020 Polynesian College Player of the Year Award. That's right. Okay, so there you go. Yeah, Zach Capona Wilson. He actually has Hawaiian blood in him. His dad is um, as Hawaiian. So yeah, he didn't know he that. qualified for the Polynesian Award. A lot of people were like, what the heck? Um, very cool, very cool. Well, dad, who, who is your player of the game? I play the game besides Hafunga. Um, I would say I like, well, Jennings made four receptions for 62 yards. So he got a lot of touches on the ball from, from Lance. So he was just kind of clutch in there. Um, and then um, I'm, I'm a linebacker at heart. So I liked watching Fred Warner. He still had six tackles and four solos. Um, and so he was second, you know, um, leading tackler in the game so i'll go with warner he kind of held his ground but hafunga he kind of stepped it up and he was all over the place yeah very good the guy and i mean player of the game is maybe maybe pushing it but and it kind of leads into some of the comments for the seahawks game uh, mooney ward charvarius ward had a couple of good pass breakups, um, really locked down his guy. Obviously, it's not the level of receivers like we'll see later in the season when we play um, the Seahawks regarding DK Metcalf and other star receivers, uh, which is why we paid him. Um, but I'm excited about him. When I saw his, his, his coverage and highlights, I was like, yes, that's what we need. We need this. And we talked about that in, the, in our first couple episodes that you know bolstering the secondary was a, uh, a goal of the offseason which i believe that they did um but um yeah maybe player of the game is a little bit too strong but um very excited about him and the rest of the, the rest of the season i'm gonna give it to, to mooney ward yeah awesome all right well let's turn the page a little bit now and start talking about uh the seahawks game so the seahawks are coming to town. This is a home game. Niners are wearing their, their home red uniforms, uh, which let's just take a one minute to talk about the new uniforms. They're not new because they still look classic, but I love the triple stripe on the sleeves. I love that they put the saloon font back on the front. Um, I'm not a big fan of this 49ers font. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, it's kind of the, the 49ers from the last kind of 10, 15, 20 years. Um, but they're using the saloon font again on the front, even on the back of the helmet, just looks super clean. I love our uniforms. So I think we'll be looking good. I hope that it's not too rainy. 
Uh, but right now the spread is the 49ers are actually favored by eight and a half points. Um, and the over-under is set at 41 and a half, um, 41 and a half points itself. So just reactions, want to get your both of your reactions to the spread and the over-under. What do you think? I was surprised um, at the eight and a half. The eight and a half has gone to 10 and then it's come back down. Okay. Um, and I don't gamble, but I do watch the point spread because it kind of tells you where the money is and Vegas is usually right. Mm -hmm. um, so <clears throat> yeah, eight and a half was more than I thought we would be favored, but um, I'll take it. And you know, Seattle has had um, just their way with us for a long, long time. And Russell Wilson is now gone. So hopefully the tables will turn. Um, <clears throat> so we have Geno Smith coming in and he made it, you know, they were really wanted to win that game for Pete Carroll and his ongoing divorce with Russell Wilson and <laughs> Russell Wilson was really booed in Seattle. Did you see that? Yeah. So that was, that was interesting how quick they forget. Um, that was surprising. I mean, I, yeah. I know it was a divorce uh, and he wanted out. He disagreed with a lot of things that, that um, P. Carroll wanted. Right. Uh, but still, he won them a Super Bowl. Um, he won them so many games. There's no doubt he was the MVP of that team for the last 10 years. Yeah. He played there 10 years. He won 113 games. He averaged 11 wins a year for yeah. 10 years. Or you get this, and I hate this stat. He was 16 and four against the Niners. Yeah. Um, I can't, yeah, I guess can't stand the guy really, but I mean, yeah. So, and unfortunately, we have him in week three. <laughs> we aren't totally rid of him. But <clears throat> so now they go to Geno Smith, and Geno Smith is much traveled. Yep. Um, he's out of West Virginia, and he, you know, played for. Um, a couple of teams, the Giants and um, Jets, the Jets. And so anyway, Monday night, he starts out 17 for 18. But they're all short passes. They're right. all they're all five yards. And, you know, I could probably do that. Um, so <clears throat> anyway, uh, that was it. Seattle to me couple of things and I can't prove any of this but they always seem to me like they're on something they are hitting so hard in every game it's like Pete Carroll gives them something before the game I mean they're breaking people in half and it's like whoa um and secondly and this is going to sound awful but they just always seem to some some fortunate thing happens and they win at the end. You know, I remember the Green Bay game from years ago, you know, that they won on that last call with the the uh, the um, replacement refs. And <clears throat> Pete Carroll plays a game. He, he loves to run the ball. He wants to keep it close. Yep. So at the end of three quarters, the score is very close and they hope to do something in the fourth quarter and they just win. And that's his MO. Um, so I think it's time the tables turn. Russell Wilson is gone along with 
all of their great players that you know they've built over the years they I mean they're just a shell of themselves they truly are rebuilding and um so anyway um we got to win on sunday yeah dad what are your thoughts my thoughts are i know the point spread is eight and a half um i think uh, i think it's going to be a little tighter game than game than that you know i i I think I predicted, predicted uh, 24 to 17, um, no, 21, 17. So like a four point spread. I think it's going to be a little tighter, um, but uh, I think that we will win and hopefully by more points than that. I, I think just looking again at the stats, they were a little much of a sieve on passing and rushing a lot of yards, especially rush rushing. Um, they allowed, you know, a lot of yards rushing and uh, we're going to run the ball like crazy, especially if it's wet out. So um, I think we'll do real good. Um, but uh, um, with uh, Pete Carroll, I mean, anything's possible. That guy, he's just got this golden little lucky charm around his neck or whatever. He's a very positive guy. The players love him. Um, and just things just tend to bounce his way, except for that interception um, on the what the one yard line and the goal line and one of the Super Bowls, but um, other than that, you know, generally he's he does very well. So, but we're gonna we'll, we'll take him. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think I think uh, once again, this is all super early in the season. This the season is very long, uh, and I was telling you guys before that uh, I didn't get to see Monday night football. I saw the score, like literally I turned it on right as Seattle was kneeling the ball to end the game. Um, and I was just like, wow, that's such a Seattle score and a Seattle like way to win that this team comes in to Seattle. They outgain them by a million yards and somehow they make, they, they find a way to win. And it really, to me has, uh, kind of come down to two things and this played right into the Seahawks hand on Monday was special teams I feel like their special teams has always like you said gotten lucky or something I remember the Vikings missing a field goal in the I believe NFC championship five six seven years ago um, special yep. teams they've always had a kind of advantage there against the Niners and then two is kind of red zone defense something always happens close to the goal line or whatever it feels like they're stealing points away from you um, in thinking about now this game, uh, you know, the first to my first point in, around special teams, you know, the, their special teams coordinator for the last 10 seasons was Brian Schneider, who is actually now the 49ers special teams coordinator, which I love that. I mean, get, come on. Um, I think that's fantastic. So I'm really hoping that we can gain that advantage over them, um, and, and make it our own. Um, and then that red zone, uh, red zone defense slash us having to convert those red zones. I think, you know, that is, if you're going to, you know, put out there like a keys to the game, the broadcasts always, always have, all right, you know, the keys to the game are the Niners need to do this. The Niners need to convert in the red zone, um, especially against the Seahawks. You cannot settle for field goals. They always find a way to stay in the game and you, you have to get touchdowns when you're down there. I think that's gonna be uh, something to watch for. And, and one last thought, you know, watching the tape from the Bears game, 
like uh, Grandpa said, it's the first game. A lot of these starters haven't even played for for uh, in the preseason, so it's kind of their way to get back into the game. There's going to be some mistakes. It gets a little bit sloppy. And looking at the tape and some of the YouTube kind of breakdowns on on the on kind of like the film itself, there were a lot of mistakes made, made by the Niners, not only from the penalty perspective, but really just the execution perspective. And I think and I hope and I know Kyle Shanahan is going to be honing down on the guys about being assignment sound, about executing. And if we can do that and make a significant difference from that game to this game, I'll bring it, bring the rain, whatever. I think the execution will be better this game and will will be uh, uh, will help us not leave so many points off the board. Um, so it's it should be interesting though. I think there's a lot of intrigue. Yeah. So Denver had the ball twice inside the five yard line and got nothing. They fumbled twice. They got stripped twice. I think one of the things throughout this season that's going to really help us at at the goal line and you know inside the 10 is Trey Lance's running so that's just another weapon he's big and strong and you know he can gain three four yards so um yeah Seattle Seattle has been fortunate but um we'll get get him on Sunday yeah I think um Josh you you mentioned it I watched some of that film too you know just of uh, the position players and um our veteran players and some of the mistakes that are made just kind of key blocks just kind of um not executing uh, fully um and fulfilling their, their assignment um i think that'll be a big focus of this week with shanahan and if they execute and do what they know to do um i think that's going to be it's going to be huge to be so focused on their assignments and execution um, I think that'll really work to our advantage again, moving the ball up and down the field against the Seahawks. Right. I mean, cause really in the media, as we all know, is like totally bashing Trey Lance saying, uh, you know, how can the Niners let Trey Lance lose these games while they have Jimmy G sitting on the sideline? Uh, I, I just, I hate it. I hate it so much, but as much as, you know, there is trade definitely did show his age and he's literally only 22 years old. Um, when you look at the tape, it was a lot more than just him making mistakes. I mean, the football, uh, and then I think one of the reasons why we all love football so much it is the ultimate team sport. You have 11 players on the field with 11 different jobs, all doing something at the same exact time. You know, the, another similar sport that has 11 players on the field is soccer. But the no. ball only touches or is around like three, four players at a time. Um, but football, 11 people are moving and have to move in the exact same, you know, uh, rhythm, order, everything, every single play. So it's a team sport. And there's a lot that uh, the team could have done to better support Trey Lance because he did some things right. And he made, he froze a lot of the, the D end on some of those plays where, the DN had to honor Trey Lance and even, or even the outside linebacker had to honor Trey Lance. And that will play to the Niners favor later in the season. It didn't happen um, to the degree that we wanted it to here against the bears. Uh, But, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting to think about Trey Lance. Uh, um, Curious what your, your guys' thoughts are. 
Um, I thought I thought Trey um, he handled himself well. He definitely is a, a run threat, um, and that is you know one huge advantage uh, Shanahan likes is that we he has the legs and he can move around the pocket and and, and get some third down conversions. We did very good in third down conversions, um, and let thanks to Trey and his legs in this last game. Um, I don't think we had a lot of opportunity to move the ball up and down the field through the air a whole lot, to be honest with you, with the conditions. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, we're all excited to watch his passing game and for him, you know, complete 70% of his passes and throw over 300 yards. But this wasn't the game that never was right. going to be the game where he's going to do that in this condition. So I think uh, uh, Trey, he learned a lot. And we made a lot of other mistakes, but it wasn't Trey's loss for sure. You know, this isn't, uh, it definitely doesn't need to rest at his feet for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so <clears throat> I felt Trey Lance was inaccurate, which is expected. He threw less than 50%. Um, and the thing that really concerns me, I mentioned a little earlier, is the physical beating that he has taken, he ran the ball 13 times for 54 yards and, and really got nailed a couple of times. He never slid. Um, <clears throat> he had five scrambles, two quarterback powers, two sneaks, one zone read, and three designated runs, and he never slid once. So, I, and that surprised me. I mean, it's like, you know, that, that's what quarterbacks have to do, and they're protected once they do. Once they slide, can't, can't touch him. Um, there were four times he left the pocket when he had somebody to throw to, um, and he, and he ran. So, and he also has a little hesitancy. He's just, you know, it, it just takes time and that's, you know, experience. Um, so he, his reads are a little slow. He has a little hesitancy, even on his runs, he just kind of hesitates for half a second and that window closes. Right. So he's going to get better and better and better, but he has to play. And, um, and we're going to, you know, have growing pains with him. In one of our later shows, I'm going to talk about <clears throat> some of the other quarterbacks as they started in their first year and they're, you know, Hall of Fame, Peyton Manning's, John Elway's, um, you know, Brent Favre, all, the, all these guys, when you see what they did in their first year, I mean, it was, it was atrocious. And they're, you know, so anyway, this will all work itself out. We do have some growing pains. And yeah, so yeah, we definitely do. Um, and I'm excited to see the the progress you know from week one to week two what do we see can we can we see progress because i think that's really what the coaches and i think as fans we yeah. expect um i don't expect perfection i i also agree with what you said grandpa i don't expect him to be super accurate um yeah. but i expect him to protect the football and i expect him to get better each game yeah. um and stay healthy uh, not get hurt I would like to see him slide some more <laughs> um, but yeah as you mentioned even comparing and I feel like we have to mention it because it was amazing to watch we were all texting in our group text watching Josh Allen uh, with the Bills last uh, Thursday right yeah Thursday 
first right. game of the season against the Rams, you know, Super Bowl de defending champions. Um, man, did he light it up? Uh, was he perfect? No, but that guy with his legs, with his arm, amazing to watch. And, yeah. and in his first season, he completed 53% of his throws um, and had more picks than, than touchdowns. Yeah. He, and we, we talked about this in the previous episode that he didn't have the playmakers and weapons around him that, that Trey does. So I think that we can expect a little bit more out of Trey and it's Trey's second year versus Josh Allen's first year. But that is the kind of the common player comp uh, that he gets. Yeah. And man, I was just licking my chops watching Josh Allen dice at the Rams. Obviously don't like the Rams, but, but to see that in the way that he did it and, and now year four was very impressive. And I hope that Trey Lance can get there one day. So Josh Allen, his rookie year, he had 10 touchdown passes and 12 interceptions. Buffalo went six and 10. Yep. I mean, it doesn't start, you know, right away. So, and that's a common thread through most everybody. The only guy that really lit it up right away was Dan Marino. I mean, he came in and just was on fire. Everybody else struggled. Yeah. yeah. Everybody. So anyway. Very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So score predictions for, for the game on Sunday, dad, you already previewed yours. Um, you had uh 21, 17, anything else to say about your prediction? No, I just, uh, San Francisco is going to win. All right. Go Niners. Um, I said, and it's it's my my hope, um, but I think we'll win 21-14. So pretty close to you, Dad. I think their offense, Seattle's offense, I think will limit them. I think they showed a lot on tape this last weekend, uh, or I guess on Monday, and the Niners will stop the run against against them. And and I I really think it's going to be a low scoring game if we're going to talk about the over under. I think it's definitely going to be under. I also don't bet. But if I did, I would definitely bet under. Um, I do not see this game going over 42 points. Uh, but in the end, I do see the Niners winning this game. Uh, I think they're going to show some progress and look a little bit better uh, on offense and execute plays, as well as clean up the penalties on defense uh, and get off the field. One last thought, Grandpa, before we get to you. Um, Nick Bosa was visibly frustrated on this, during this game because he's working his tail off to stop the run. And they, like we saw, only got like 2.4 yards of pop. And then those 15 yard penalties are huge. That's equivalent of eight, no, six rushes, six plays, and you give them 15 yards for free. Yeah. Um, huge, especially in a low scoring game. So I no think way. if we can limit those slash, hopefully not get any, let's play a clean game get off the field, get the ball back to the offense, um, let them let them do their thing. I think the Niners will take this one, 21-14. Okay. My score is 17-13. I also think it'll be low scoring. I hope that, we, that it's a laugher and I can relax. But um, as long as we win, I'm happy. I, I really don't care what the score is. Um, but I... Just to put up some numbers, I said 1713, and um, we'll see. We shall see. Very interesting. Very interesting. All right. Well, um, 
you know, as far as kind of other things uh, related to the Niners, we've talked about the Bears game, talked about injuries, talked about um, uh, about obviously previewing the Seahawks. Before we get to your uh, your story, Grandpa, which I, I think I'm looking forward to more than anybody, um, any other kind of facts and figures, Grandpa? I know you always have kind of a whole Rolodex of interesting factoids about the Niners. Well, uh, two other players that stood out to me, and um, one was the blocking of Jennings. So I, I watched the game, and then later I watched it two or three times, and I don't watch the ball. I watch specific players and see what they do. And so um, John J Jennings was really, his blocking was outstanding. And then the other player who... Um, as long as he doesn't get hurt, it's going to be really good this year is Javon Kinlaw. Yeah. Javon Kinlaw, um, you know, what was it? Three years ago, we traded DeForest Buckner. He wanted $20 million a year. So we traded him right before the draft to Indy and we got their number one pick. And with their number one pick, we picked this guy, Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. And <clears throat> He's been hurt for the most part, um, you know, the, his first three seasons. He's healthy now and he's in great shape. And he used to be just a bull rusher. You know, he would just try and drive his guy back. But Sunday, he did the swim move a couple of times early on and he got right through his guy and was putting pressure on fields. So, um, Kinlaw is going to be really good. He he turned his ankle and I went, oh no. Right. So it was like in the second quarter and I thought, oh no. But he came back. They taped him up and he came back and he's he's fine. Um, so Kinlaw is going to be going to be make a difference this year. Yeah. No, great points. Comments on Jennings and Kinlaw. Um, great points. Yeah. yeah, no, I was excited about Kinlaw. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, I, he is a guy that's just been continuously getting hurt uh, and ha can have such a big impact. And I was very happy to see, yeah, early on in the game, he was right in the backfield. And I was like, yes, we need that. We need that interior pressure because that's going to take pressure off of Nick Bosa, which he gets double teamed more than anybody in the league. Right. So let's, let's let um, give some pressure to, to Kinlaw, otherwise he's going to get through every single time. They were double teaming Kinlaw at the second half. Yeah, it's great. So, you know, um, so yeah, you can't double team everybody. Right. So it's very good. Well, um, hopefully it's a good game um, and the Niners can pull out the victory. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks to everybody for listening. As per usual, uh, Grandpa, I know you have a story for us. I love this one. Tell us about. Um, the, the, the Christopher Milk Jr. 49er Club. Okay. So <clears throat> once again, my father took me to my first 49er game when I was seven in 1949. And it was a couple of years later, I'm about 10. And the mayor of San Francisco at that time was this guy, George Christopher. And George Christopher also owned a milk company and called Christopher Milk. And he was very smart, I thought. <laughs> um, and he 
he worked out a deal with the 49ers and he developed this kids club um, called the Christopher Milk Junior 49er Club. And he, he had a block of 2000 seats in the east end zone of Pizar for every home game. And in those years, we played 12 games and six at home and six on the road. So, um, but to, to get in, you had to buy his quart of milk and cut out this coupon when the, you know, so I was telling my parents to buy Christopher milk, right? as were other kids. And so they did, and I'd cut out the coupon and they let in the first 2000 kids um, on the coupon, it says free. I remember paying 50 cents. So anyway, um, not a bad deal. Yeah. And so I didn't realize this till later, years later, but I went to every game, you know, and so I was really getting season tickets for $3 a year, That's six amazing. games, 50 cents each, a total of $3. I went to, you know, six games. Then um, after the game, it was fun because the only thing that separated the fans from the field was this three foot railing fence. And so when the game, final gun went off, all us kids would just jump over that fence and run onto the field. And the players were walking off towards us. And, you know, we just go up to them and you could, I remember you could really smell the grass. And I remember how muddy and dirty and grass stained their uniforms were and how beaten up they look you know they take off their helmet and they're just exhausted and i'm just a little kid and one of the things they did then uh not everybody but a lot of the players would give a kid his chin strap in the first couple of years i never got a i, I wasn't even close i didn't get a chin strap and then all of a sudden this one game, I'm standing next to Carol Hardy, who was a running back. He was number 27, and he handed me his chin strap. And then what would happen after a player handed a kid his chin strap is others would jump the kid and try and steal it. So the next thing you know, I'm on the ground and I'm, I'm, I'm holding this thing nobody's getting it. And so, you know, you have a scrum for uh, three, four minutes and then they give up and, you know, they, they get off you and you get up and I just put it in my pocket. And um, so I have Carol Hardy's chin strap from 1953 or whatever it was. And I got to go to every game. It was a great thing. And um, I was a member, a proud member of the Christopher Milk Junior 49er Club. That is an awesome story. That's that's way better than the Blake Elsinore Storm Book Club that I was a part of. That we would get some free tickets. Um, very, very, very cool. I I love milk. I would love to be part of that club. I wish yeah. they, they would do that again. Fifty cents. What a deal. Yeah. Very cool. Well, that will do it for another episode of Forty ers Family. Thank you for joining. Thank you for being part of our family. Once again, if you have any questions, comments, hot takes, please email us at 49ersfamilypodcast at gmail.com. That's 49ers spelled 49ERS, familypodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, go Niners. Go Niners. Woo!